You're listening to the Out of Range Podcast with Tony Franklin, powered by Bolt TV. I'm ready. You're ready. Now, let's get out of range. All right, Out of Range fans, it is episode three. We're back yet again. I've got the boys back in town with me. I just love the intro song, and I really enjoy the intro where I go into my little spiel there, and I turn my deep, sexy, Barry White voice on, and Jeannie is giving me just the hardest time about that. She really wants me to re-record that without the Barry White overtones. What do you guys think? She's not into that? She's into Barry White. She just thinks I'm being a, an idiot for trying to be all sultry and smooth, you know, because they can, in the back of their head, what, what she hears is Delilah, you know, and it's just it's just not working for her. Call, I don't in, know. call in the hot the hot beats, the slow jams, if you will. Maybe she's a little jealous because it's got some uh, some sex appeal. I know, I know, man. I don't know why... I don't know what the problem is. Let me have some fun. God. Listen, man, I can't fault you for showing your versatility. I'm a huge fan of that. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. You got it. All right. Uh, today's podcast, we're going to uh, talk about our weekend in Vegas for the U.S. Uh, BC Open Championships. Uh, we've got Aaron McCarthy coming up later in the show. Uh, you're really going to want to stay tuned to listen through that. Aaron talk, takes us a little bit through where she got her start in bowling. Uh, what are some of her favorite songs? Because you know D Hart's got to talk music. I do love her favorite song, which I have a good feeling we're going to hear uh, in the transition. What do you think about that? Don't don't give it away, of course, D Hart. But what do you think about that song that she uh, threw out there? I mean, I'm starry eyed at this point, man. It's uh, it's one of my all time favorites too. I mean, if you need <laughs> that song to get jacked up. Oh, man. Good stuff. All right. So uh, last week, uh, we did not do any live podcasting poolside like we hoped we would because, man, we're just having too much fun at the pool. And speaking of too much fun at the pool, we do need to talk about the incident. Yeah, we had an injury uh, on the premises at the Mandalay uh, pool uh, side. I believe it was the East Lagoon location. I believe that's Uh, right. Yeah. So, unfortunately, uh, it was about five hours before our doubles and singles squad. We were all having a great time post-Kentucky Derby. You know, somebody brought a football. Who doesn't want to go throw the football around a little bit in Vegas at the Mandalay Bay Pool? Uh, you know, you, you get a bunch of guys together who went to college, and and all of a sudden you know a, a game of 500 is going to come out, right? So, you know, Nick Vaughn, uh, my buddy from college, he bowled at Wichita State with us and at University of Arizona before that. And we start launching the football around. And, you know, I, I actually was in a perfect spot to see all of this. But Nick tried for the interception. He jumps in front of me. The ball hits his hand and absolutely splits the webbing between his ring finger and middle finger on his left hand. I saw the whole thing. It split, and then blood just squirts out all over the place. His hand basically exploded. And, you know, he had no idea. He looks back at me like, where's the ball? And I'm like, "Uh, hey, bro, check out your your paw there. (laughs) And, you know, he's like, oh, oh, my God. You know, it starts squirting blood all over the place. I try and swim across to the side of the pool and grab a towel to kind of wrap it up so it doesn't, 
you know, it's, it doesn't get blood all over the place. But I did have to clean up the side area of the pool because it looked like a murder scene over there. It was absolutely ridiculous. It looks look, looks like somebody just got knife wounded over by the side of the pool. Was he bleeding in the pool too? He bled. He bled a little bit in the pool, but we got him out of there pretty quick. I'd like to say that my first responder skills paid dividends there. We were able to control the situation and get him poolside uh, <laughs> as, as to not, uh, you know, not make any of the water situation, uh, you know, red from that perspective. Man, that that was crazy. You guys hopped out of the pool so fast. Dehart were and I were what two feet away from y'all. No idea what was going down. That's what happens when Tom Brady starts throwing spirals at the Mandalay pool. Man, I'm telling you, I don't uh, – here's a couple things. One, really sorry for Nick. That that looked like it was a real – that was a real S show. Uh, and it looked like – I mean, that, that was a big deal. But I was so, moderately pleased that I wasn't – didn't have a piece of it. Like, it didn't happen to me, and I didn't cause it because generally I would be the one that caused it. Like, as soon as it happened – I think Jeannie just knew that I threw the ball because I always am involved with train wrecks like that. Literally could have happened to any of us. I've never seen a more freak accident in my life. So that took Nick to the, uh, to the emergency room, nine stitches. I mean, at some, at one point, I mean, Nick's my doubles partner. I didn't even think he was going to be able to bowl because the doctor's saying possible surgery because it could have nipped an artery or there was nerve damage and I'm like, you've got to be absolutely kidding me at this point. So Nick toughs it out. He gets nine stitches. And was he high for everybody in doubles and singles? I believe the guy shot 1,300 with like a scoop-a-loop on the left hand. I mean, Tony, you were giving him the business about, do we need to help him pick up his bowling ball and give it to him in between shots? He was a trooper for sure. Man, he did, he did a great job. He didn't even have to towel off. He had a built-in towel on his left hand. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that bandage was soaked with uh, with fire and ice conditioner from the Kegel machine. Honestly, he looked like Roy Munson without the hook. It was the way he was kind of carrying that club around. Yeah. Yeah. Did did he uh, did he check the bathroom for the no- to refill the novelty machine? Yeah, and the and the uh, the registration desk hit him for his thirty two dollar membership fee before he walked in too. I don't seem to have your membership on file here. The names the names Vaughn. B-A-U-G-H-N. Let's not forget that Nick had to buy a brand new bowling ball before he started, too. Well, that's, you know, I I bowled with Nick for a long time and and had the opportunity to bowl with him at Nationals for a long time as well. That right there, folks, is Vaughn's standard procedure. Uh, he is has been known to walk into the, to the pro shop area there at the stadium or wherever the tournament's at, punch a ball, and it's the absolute perfect ball every time i mean he is 100 percent on punching a ball for the tournament no no lofting the ball getting it stuck on your hand if i punched a ball on site like that there's no way i'm coming out of that thing clean at all vaughn is the man at that i'm trying that next year yeah he he bowled really well i don't do you remember what his total score was 19 did he have 19 yeah he i think he shot 1960 or something like that no, he didn't have that much. 1940. He did have a 166 the first game in team events, so maybe I'm off. He had th- he had 1330 for his uh, six games, and he had like 610 in team. Yeah. All right, 1940 it is. No shame in that. 
You know, other, uh, than, other than other than the pool situation, uh, I'd like to report that Nick was healthy for the rest of the weekend. That is great news, and I appreciate getting the weather report on him. Uh, this is the one thing though that you mentioned. I have got to go back to. Derek, do you remember when Matt said that could have happened to any one of us? Yes. I and do. I'm going to dispute that and say, you know why that couldn't have happened to you or I? Why is that? Do you know why? I know the answer. I, I don't know why, no. Okay. It's because the football they were throwing back and forth was maybe the hardest football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that was no – that's no water foot – that's no friendly water fire football right there. It's What's like, the football that you and I were throwing back and forth? Is that thing going to break an artery? No, not no, sir. No. It's soft. It's catchable. It hydrates because it drinks a little bit of water on every throw. I mean, that is the way to do it and not split your hand in half. Somebody uh, somebody got a hold of those footballs before we touched them and overinflated them. Oh, that thing was so <laughs> overinflated. I didn't, I, who, brought the, who brought the skin-ripping football? I don't I even mean, know who brought that. That was Justin and Crystal. Oh, was it really? Oh, yeah. Man, you could have thrown that thing over a mountain. It was oh, yeah, D-Hart definitely, definitely could have probably launched it over the over those mountains. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was the stunt devil in uh, Napoleon Dynamite for Uncle Rico. Well, so I, got, I do have to go back to Vaughn. And, and, and back in the day when we used to bowl league together, we always used to put nicknames every year on our team shirts. And Vaughn loves throwing the football. He he was Uncle Rico for us one year. His team name his his his, uh, his nickname was Uncle Rico. Well, it makes sense, man. The way he was battling battling you for uh, return fire down on your end of the pool. Yeah, I mean it was it was ridiculous. He paid the ultimate price. All right, now as far as the uh, team event went, uh, so we had three different teams. I had my team, Matt. You had your team. D-Hart, you had your team. I bowl with the girls. I bowl with uh, my wife, Jeannie, and Sandy Charles, her business partner with Chameleon. And we bowl with Tina Williams, a.k.a. Mrs. Beef Stew. And this year we had Crystal Crumley, Mrs. Crumb Dog, on the team. Uh, Matt, your team consisted of who? It was, it was myself, uh, Nick Vaughn, Steve Freeland, Charlie Brunez, and my buddy from Florida who's, uh, who's a uh, – uh, dental surgeon. Um, his name is Joe Richardson. He went to college with us at WSU as well. All right. And then Dehar, what about your squad? My squad was myself, Justin Crumley, Justin Gentry, Preston Brunswick, not Brunswick, uh, and John Baton. There's not an easy name in the bunch except yours. That's right. All right. Uh, and then who's going to take it here? Who was high for team? So, I mean, I guess I'll step forward. I, I don't think anybody on our team expected to shoot over 3,000, strictly because two of the guys that bowled with us uh, have not operated a bowling ball in <laughs> two years. And, and when I say operated a bowling ball, I mean the, the only three games Charlie had bowled was January and then three games at the Bowler's Journal. And, Tony, what was his score? It was sub-500, sub-500. Correct. And then Freeland – Literally, his first three games in two years was team event at the USBC tournament this year. So, are you serious? It, I didn't know that. Yes, yes, correct. Oh. So, expectations I think were just to come out and have a good time and 
you know, we shot 930 the first game and, and then we're able to kind of, you know, put together a three or four team, three or four bagger there in the second game and shoot 1100 and then just kind of rode it, rode a thousand there into the end. But uh, we were not expecting Charlie Brunez to be high on the team with only bowling like literally six games in the last two years, three of which were on site in Vegas. So. No, our, our, the, out of those 15, the high player was Charlie Bruins with, did he have 6.7? No, actually, I think Tina was high with 6.71. I think the Bruins had 6.70. With an open in the 10th. He chopped a spare yeah, in the 10th. 20, 29 clean until the 10th frame in the last game. Yeah, at no point was I thinking he was going to see the sunny side of 5.10. No chance. 6.70. That's we awesome. Were very, we were very surprised. Yeah, 30.78 for you all. That was a great set. I think really the thing that stood out to me is our buddy Joe, we don't get to spend much time with him. You know, we take it for granted that we have a group of, of folks that we get to go with every year and, and have a chance to compete. But this is the first time Joe had ever been on a team that shot over 3000. So he was on cloud nine and it was pretty awesome to do that with a friend that I don't get to see very much and, and got to spend some time with. And, and he's a really great guy. Yeah, it was good. It was a it was a good night. You guys had thirty seventy. Uh, our team, you guys, had, Tony. You guys had thirty thirty teen. Yeah, we had thirty seventeen. Three three one. Uh, we shot uh, ten oh eight or a uh, thousand eight thousand eight and a thousand one. Hey, super hey. consistent. Hey guys, real quick, I gotta go get some Kleenex real quick for Matt's story. That was really touching. <laughs> God, I can be a little bit of a softy sometimes, D Hart. Why, why can't he just let you tell a story and be emotional and be heartfelt? Why has he got to be all up in you like that? Uh, I love the stories. Because my team shot 2880, and I contributed 540 of those. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so let's not talk about my bowling experience, unless we want to talk about the Bowler's Journal, but we'll leave that to another. another. Yeah, you bowled good at the BJ. Uh, so... Pretty good night on the lanes, though. I think we, we all had a good time. We all bowled pretty well. Anytime you can shoot 3,000 at nationals in a team event for a bunch of uh, dudes and gals that don't bowl that much. Uh, so you're right, though, man. It is all about having the time to get together. I, I love bowling with those ladies. Uh, Tina, we bowl with her for forever, so it's a great opportunity to spend some time with her. And you get to see big Stu Williams, who is the best cheerleader in the world. He just works his way around the room talking to everybody and he cheers loud. He's a, he's a great guy to have. Uh, I do want to jump. I do want to jump in there. Uh, I'd like to say that I've never been ball repped in my entire life <laughs> ever. And Stu in his British accent, uh, McFadden mate, you, you got to change balls. You got to get rid of that aggressive physics and go to something else. Try the Marvel, try the Marvel. And you know what we discussed? He, he repped me. I was able to bowl a good game the last game, and I've, I'm excited, dude. I got repped one time in my life. <laughs> Matt, can you spell Marvel? Marvel. It's it's M-A-A-A-A-A-A-H-V-E-L. <laughs> yeah, it was funny when you came into the pit, and you're like, I just got repped. But but I like, now I will say I threw some good shots toward the end and then came up. I, you know, I really – the best shot I threw the whole time, I 4-9. I turn around. Is Stu is Stu back there? No chance, dude. He is not back there at all. He can only spin. I mean, he he repped you and he moved on. I mean, yeah, Tina well, was. You know, I've, of course, I four nine, and then you know he's not back there to see that. So, dude, that hot dog stand was calling his name from the first game. 
I, I love that hot dog stand there, dude. Oh. Two years ago, that <laughs> saved me. That saved me at that tournament. I was starving before team event. And I mean, I crushed like three dogs and a Mountain Dew. It was phenomenal. Uh, I'll let you guys know that I didn't have anything other than hot dogs and the Coronado Cafe until the last night. $1.75 for a hot dog? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, every other meal's 27 bucks. I will hot dog myself to death out there. Now, Tony, did, did, did you guys rip any uh, any good restaurants while you were out there? Besides, I, I mean, obviously, Derek was uh, eating hot dogs and eggs. No, we didn't. We, you know, we spent, what, a couple afternoons at the pool, so we ate poolside chicken finger nuggets, nachos, and crap like that. No, we really didn't have any great meals, which generally, you know, when we go out there in March, our trips are, you know, every dinner's a thousand bucks. But that wasn't this kind of trip. So for sure, for sure. Uh, Now, uh, quickly move over to some doubles and singles action. I thought the doubles and singles were really hittable. Uh, I think most people are going to find that they are. The scores are definitely growing in that area. Uh, The squad we were on was the 1045, a.k.a. 1130 p.m. squad on Saturday night, which was the same squad that Mitch Beasley took over the lead with 812 in singles. Uh, So he was crushing racks. He, uh, let's see, on his pair, there were three guys with the front nine the second game of singles. Yeah, I remember peeking over there, and I was like, uh, wow, that's crazy. Like, everybody on that side of the bowling center has just has the front nine. Yeah, so just to kind of give everybody a little feel for how that works, right, is – they had they had six on a pair, six six guys that are probably you know they're banging on it pretty good to some degree. Now Mitch bangs on it a lot, uh, but the top guy had 240 and front nine and shot 289. They had another guy with 220 and then front nine 279, and then Mitch had 240 and 297. So they had a ton of guys that were just bombing away after two. And then I look over and. I probably never got my eyes never got left at 12 or 13 on our pair. And Mitch was in front of the ball return, the second game of singles, which I think is ridiculous, but it was obviously working. He shot a 12. Yeah. Those guys, those guys were all hooking it, you know, pretty hardcore. I mean, I I think, and plus, did you guys have six on your pair? We had four on our pair. Yeah. We only had four. Right. I don't, I just don't think, I think that's what hurt. I mean, you bowled great. And, and I just think that's what hurt us, right, is we, we, we had to stay in that transition zone for a while, and the lanes just didn't quite break down as quickly for us as they did if you had six people on the pair. Yeah, that's the way it felt. Like I said, I didn't really have a whole lot of miss right until the last game, and then it just the floodgates opened. I had 260 the last game and couldn't miss high flush. And I was like, oh, man, where was that a couple games ago? And that's probably what some of the pairs with six – have so there's definitely some room to bang on some strikes in the in the singles event for sure so with a couple of months left i'm i'm going to expect them to have uh some some more big number shot what do you guys think oh yeah for sure uh you know a lot of good teams go later in the year too no disrespect to the teams that already went but yeah there's uh there's definitely going to be some guys out there that uh flirt with that lead whether it be doubles singles or even team event yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna expect the doubles. I think the teams that's leading doubles has 1480, and the next closest is like 1430. So I'm gonna expect to see some some bigger numbers come out of the doubles here pretty soon. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a doubles duo rips a 15 hundo. It wouldn't surprise me. There's no, so many. If they, if they open up the way they did the last, I mean, they, they were just starting to open up for us. I, I, I for sure see that. So one other quick topic we got to hit this week is the heartbreaker at the Kentucky Derby. Oh, my goodness. That was a brutal, brutal finish. So uh, I had my tickets uh, in. I would not have hit the the try or the super either way, but I did have a big win ticket on the old seven horse, maximum security. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt called that one too, so I had a nice win ticket for him. And you're not much of a horse better, Matt. So how did you enjoy the fact that you won the Kentucky Derby and then did not win the Kentucky Derby? I, you know, I, I, you're right. I'm not a horse better. I, you know, I'm like, wow. Okay. We, we have a winning ticket here. So I gallivanted on back to the pool and, uh, opened myself a nice Miller light pounder to, to, uh, congratulate myself on picking the winner. And, uh, I come back and, uh, I can't remember who said something, but they're like, yeah, that, that ticket's gone. And I'm like, what, what did I miss? And they're like, they, they called a, they called the seven horse for veering or the stewards, the stewards, the stewards called them for impeding or something like that. And I was like, I've never even heard of that before. What, what is that? I mean, the, the track was sloppy, which was very, I wasn't expecting that whenever we started watching it. But I mean, I don't know, man, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like that before. I know. You know, that's what happens uh, when it rains. Dirt turns to mud, Matt. Crazy science. Is that how it happens? Crazy. I know that's a good Wichita State education. It's paying div- it's paying dividends. Obviously, it was enough to bet the seven. Oh, the seven. Did you guys get a chance? And uh, Chris Barnes got inducted into the USBC Hall of Fame while we're out there. Did you guys get to talk? Uh, get a chance to talk to Barney at all? The other Barney, not hashtag Barney. The other Barney. Uh, no, he was shaking his head at my 540 and wondering how he lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's never good whenever you're bowling like that and Barnes comes by and just gives you the uh, smirk and the head shake. Yeah, that, that pretty much will make you feel like hell. Mm-hmm. I did I did bump into Barney after, um, after team event. He was trying to uh, – I don't know if he was trying to do some ball work or do something. He was sneaking into the Global 900 area for something – and talk to him for for just a little bit, and uh, you know, no, 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 nothing really to report from that perspective. But he, I did see him around. Did he bowl? Yeah, he bowled. He had. Uh, he said the only double he got was in the eighth and ninth frame of the last game in team shot five eighty, but he had seven thirty seven zero in doubles and singles. So oh, he wow. rocked that's doubles a, and singles. Yeah, that's a good score. Yeah, when we walked by and we got there, he was uh, in the nine uh, nine hundred global booth. Somebody was taking pictures, so I, I ran in there just acting goofy to get a picture. And he was in there with a buddy of his that uh, was on his team that uh, we both with for a long time, Steve Anderson. And uh, so we were, I joked around and asked him if he could take a picture with me and Steve. And uh, he took it, and he said, you're really going to like that one. And I didn't look at it until later uh, on the way home. And what he did was he took a selfie of himself smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. Good old Barney. Classic, he classic barnacles. He still got it, the barnstormer. I'm not, speaking of selfies, I'm not a big selfie guy, but I did have to take one uh, Sunday night before, uh, well, you guys had already left, but 
I uh, was at the tail end of a pretty hot sports booking sesh, and uh, we had a, a rollover ticket for $350 that we decided to wager on the Cubs, and uh, how'd that one pan out, Tone? Oh, when you shove it all in, sometimes it works out. Wish I could go back in time and put a little money on the Cubbies. <laughs> is that uh, is that back, to the, back to the future drop? Yeah, nice. Dehart, what was your? I mean, you went on a crazy heater, crazy baseball, basketball, halftime, hockey. No, no hockey. That's what was your what was your record on the heater? Uh, I think it was seven and zero by the time it was all said and done with you, and then I had some side action myself the day that you guys were not there. Oh yeah, how'd that work out? I didn't ask. Uh, went really well actually. I think I uh, I doubled up on a couple more tickets. Oh nice, the double ups. The way it's, a, it's official. If you're in Vegas and you go on a seven and zero heater, they automatically give you an eight hundred number for people to start calling you for your plays. One eight 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 D hard. That's right. Go seven and zero with my picks. <laughs> no, not- once you once you leave the state, that's it. The uh, streak is over. You got to start a new streak next time. So yeah, I would like to say, guys, I I was turned on to a new cocktail this week, uh, this last weekend in Vegas. Uh, pineapple and vodka and i had about 40 of those the first night so i was i was i was sticking strong with my normal white russian and my buddy joe from florida ordered a pineapple vodka and i was like well that sounds very interesting and then i began to drink them for the rest of the night it is very delicious and refreshing yeah i guess you have that florida drink you uh you know that's a, that's a nice topical beach drink. I could I could see getting down on. So, so is it just uh, pineapple juice and some vodka? And that's pretty that's much it. it, man. It's your basic vodka drink with some pineapple juice. Maybe I mean some Dole action, if you will. Oh, simple and good. I like it. Nothing was better than that one Jack and Coke at the pool, or sorry, Jack and Pepsi. Is it the double that we had at the end? Yes, sir. Oh my gosh, I was I was not. I should have napped. That's all I'm going to say. I should have napped. Yeah, I didn't get a nap in either. That was the uh, that was the extra adrenaline uh, behind the football when Nick split his hand open. <laughs> it just all it's like that moment was the true battle of Saratoga for our trip. It was the key turning point of the trip. It just was like, what in the hell was that all about? Because we were still having some good fun. Oh man, we were right in the middle of it, and then Nick's hand exploded. And it's like, well. Uh, I guess uh, I guess that's it, you know? I think the rest of us stayed back and had a couple of red-headed sluts. That's a shot, by the way. That's a shot. Yeah, we, uh, those were fantastic. Yeah. So can I step back to one thing that D-Hart was talking about, about how he was in Vegas a day after the rest of us? You yeah. know, this is, this is, I believe we need him to open up and talk about this a little bit because I feel like every trip we go to Vegas, D-Hart starts before us. And then it's just increasingly, all right, guys, I'm going to be out there for a couple more days after you guys leave. Is there going to be a point where DeHart has a place in Henderson and it has his own spot in Vegas? I mean, is that just, is that coming soon? Yeah. So I'm not going to tip my cap, but I do a lot of observing out there. Uh, And one of which was at eye candy inside the Mandalay Bay. How was that, Tom? Whew, man, they got good beats. That dance floor is ripping. So you can bet your bottom dollar that within 10 years, I will have a place in Vegas, and I will have a residency at one of the hotels just busting awesome beats. 
God, I can't wait to load that 702 phone number in my cell phone for D-Hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's Derek, 702. Oh, his, what time's his, what time's his DJ show go on? Oh, yeah, he's 11 to 2 a.m. tonight. <laughs> you could easily take over and, and rip the same tunes that guy was ripping if, and mix in some other ones. Uh, yeah, yeah I, there's no doubt I'll smoke that clown. Um, and you're a thoroughbred, baby. You'll smoke that clown. Yeah. All right, well, uh, this week, uh, or I guess last week for the PWBA Tour in Minneapolis, uh, Shannon O'Keefe wins, so our defending player of the year starts off Hot again this season, winning the second event over Verity Crawley, uh, who I think she also beat in the second event uh, last year. So a lot of similarity there. I don't know how in our picks of the poll, we never selected our defending champion really for anything. Uh, or, I mean, our uh, defending player of the year for anything. I like to give him a little blood myself, but I mean, golly, we she's she's the best player in the world. And none of us picked her for anything. She is making – that was a straight – She's making us pay for our picks. Yeah, yeah. Awesome victory for her. So congratulations to Shannon. Uh, and then this week they are in Lincoln, Nebraska for the PWBA Lincoln Open. So with that being said, let's talk to someone from that area, from Omaha, Nebraska herself. Next up on the show is Aaron McCarthy. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, on the show today, we've got a three-time Team USA member who won her first PWBA title last year in Louisville. Uh, she bowled collegially for both Midland and Nebraska. Is that correct, Aaron? That is correct. All right, good. I would hate to get that wrong if you all know what I mean by that. Uh, she currently lives in uh, Omaha and works as a registered nurse, which I know we're going to talk about later. Aaron McCarthy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. So now let me share a little bit about my first interaction with Erin. Uh, bowled against her in a doubles tournament in a faraway place called Amarillo, Texas. I don't know what in the world she was doing there bowling the uh, West Texas A&M doubles tournament. But she was there. Uh, I'd heard all about this great uh, young talent. I was definitely eager to see what all the all the fuss and all the hype was about. She did not disappoint uh, again, like I said, it was a doubles tournament. So the first game she shot 230 against us and then reeled off 22 in a row for a nice little 300, 289, 820 series. Uh, I would have to say that we did beat her in that match, but it was no doubt uh, that she was the best player on the pair. Uh, and I left that match completely impressed. And, uh, you know, she's only gotten better from then. And uh, it was really great seeing uh, her just kind of get started and all the things she's accomplished uh since then so uh you know aaron that was cool getting to meet you back then and definitely uh really cool getting to see uh all those strikes you fired off at us i appreciate you still uh still running us over so well it wasn't my fault uh you know it was a doubles tournament and i still looked up and couldn't believe it in the end when we won and i was like well it was something i got to brag about it was like oh yeah aaron shot uh 820 at us didn't win but it was a really nice single set Gave my best effort. <laughs> well, hey, uh, before we get started, uh, I definitely wanted to share a couple of things that we have uh, talked about on the previous podcast. So we did predictions this year for Player of the Year and major winners. Did you happen to Did you happen to listen to that portion of the podcast, Aaron? 
Uh, I didn't know. Okay, yeah. excellent. Please continue, Tony. Matt, could you tell us who you picked to be the player of the year for the PWBA this year? Yeah, so um, I did pick one, Aaron McCarthy. So I apologize for any jinx that may occur. I think you can still work through everything. Uh, I did pick you for player of the year this year. So I got some big shoes to fill. I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things we found interesting when we were looking at the stats is you were actually the high average uh, last year, but you were 12th in earnings. So I was wondering, what what did that kind of indicate to you? Pretty cool to be – I mean, not pretty cool. It's amazing to be the high average of all the great players. What were your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I – I didn't really pay attention to it till the very end of the season. And then I noticed the, the standings and whatnot. But I think part of that came from um, I went in Louisville. I obviously, there was a lot of strikes thrown there in general throughout the entire field. So I think that obviously helped my average. Um, and then the U.S. Open, I actually struck a lot more than some of the other regular events too. So I think those two events alone, with so many games being bold, kind of weighted my average versus some of my other lower finishes where I think cash is high. So did that affect did did that affect any of your 2019 goal setting? Uh, what you would set out for yourself to try and and complete this year? Um, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I kind of wanted to just build off of last season. I think last summer was by far my best season of bowling that I've ever had. Um, and I actually I wasn't as prepared last season as what I guess my outcomes and goals ended up being. So I think this year I just kind of wanted to build and see what type of momentum I could I could keep going throughout the season. Now, you're off to uh, a little bit of a slow start, uh, probably by your standards for the first two weeks of the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What have you seen out of the lane conditions and your performance so far? Um, yeah, I mean, the first stop, I, I started off well day one, and then day two, I just I just didn't perform very well. I didn't throw the wall very well, didn't give the lanes what they needed to see. So, you know, I'll take a cash at that point. But then uh, last week, I'm not quite sure what what happened. I had a... One or two bad games, the second block, the scoring pace wasn't nearly as high as the first week. Um, I just missed some transitions and missed some spares that second block at night, which ultimately cost me. Um, I only had, I think, one game below 180 that second block, but that was enough to to knock me out. So I'm just going to try to forget about last week and restart this week. This week being in Lincoln and you uh, went to school there for a little bit and lived 45 minutes away in Omaha. Do you feel like you're the... uh the hometown hero this um, week? I don't know about that because there's, uh, I think they did an article, there's 18 former Huskers, I think, bowling in the field this week. So, I mean, everyone follows the Huskers pretty closely. So whether you went to school, currently going to school, or are just from the area, the the fans here are pretty supportive of, of each Husker bowler. So it just feels nice to be close to home. I have some family and friends that are going to come out and watch. So that's not something that gets to happen very often. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and that really just leads perfectly into the next question. I don't know a lot about your bowling history. Tell me, how'd you get started? Uh, my parents bowled in your typical Friday night drinking type league, or maybe it was Saturdays, I don't know, one of the two. And I used to just come watch, and I'd want to throw bowling balls after they were done. Um, I bowled in some junior leagues, but I actually didn't start getting serious about bowling until my junior, senior year of high school. I uh, didn't know that I could get college scholarships. I didn't know about junior gold or any of that stuff just because – Bowling isn't very big in Nebraska for youth bowling, or at least it wasn't. Um, so I met someone named Jamie Martin, who was a former Husker, and she coached me uh, my last two years of high school, and then eventually I just took off with it from there. 
So I got kind of a late start in comparison to a lot of people, it seems like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I think about it, I've always considered you a power player uh, when it comes to, at the very least, the women's tour. But, I mean, that's probably what really drew my eye to you watching you bowl the very first time I saw it is uh, I love I love people that hook the ball and you have that great uh, hand action at the bottom. Is that something you've always had or is it something that maybe Jamie or other coaches help to uh, cultivate? Um, according to my dad, it's something that I've always done. I used to watch the men bowl, whether it was in his leagues or uh, on TV, and I just wanted to do what they did to a bowling ball, especially uh, like even some of the women, Tammy Turner, Michelle uh, Feldman. I just watched them and wanted to emulate what they were doing. So I just tried that to the best of my ability. Did you Eric, say Did you say Tammy Turner? Yeah. You know who the greatest bowler of all time, in my opinion, is? Tammy Turner. Tammy Turner. She's my all-time favorite. She and I used to bowl a lot of doubles tournaments when we were uh, just into the, you know, just still bowling in college down here in Texas because she went to West Texas and I was living in Dallas and we bowled together a ton. Not to mention, I love her attitude, which is the most ferocious uh, hater attitude there ever was. But she's my all-time favorite. So thank you for mentioning Tammy. She's the best. Is is Tammy, is Tammy Turner Turner Tina Turner's sister? I mean, I could ask her. <laughs> uh, anyway, Aaron. Well, some of these questions we'll just have to move past as as best we can. Thanks, Matt. No problem. We'll get you that line muted here before too long. <laughs> All right, now. Uh, my daughter, Tori, had a question that she wanted to ask you. Uh, so she's a softball player. She's 11. Uh, she's just started to bowl. Uh, she's a what, what I would consider uh, a two-handed bowler. I told her she puts her thumb in it. I'll cut it off. So I don't think she has an option with that. So she's really kind of starting to get into it. She's she's much better or enjoys softball much more than she does bowling, but she's still – she's a sports girl. And she wanted to know who your role model was growing up. Uh, Mia Hamm. Probably. That's my all-time favorite athlete. Just everything about her, on the field and off the field, all of her values and her work ethic. I think it's important to find someone like that at a young age just so you have someone to look up to and someone to idolize almost. I can, dig, I can dig that. That is, that, is, that is a phenomenal name to drop there. That's awesome. What was it on her work ethic that really uh, caught your eye? Um, I mean, I did some – biography type stuff in elementary school and middle school. So I'd have to read through her books and just see what she went through as a kid and all the, the hard work and dedication that she put into the sport. And of course she's arguably the best female soccer player of all time. So I think that alone just speaks volumes. Fantastic. Aaron, are you a soccer fan? I am. I'm a big soccer fan. I actually, uh, when Josie and Kyle got married, they got married in Barcelona and we went to a Barcelona soccer game. It's probably are on my you kidding list. me? Oh, wow. Yeah, that is. So so do you follow you follow La Liga, you know, Premier League, Champions League? Uh, I mean, do you follow that stuff? I don't follow it as much as what I would probably like to, but yeah. I will I will follow it. And if there's a soccer game on, I will definitely just sit down and watch it. Unlike so most how, was, how was the atmosphere at FC Barcelona? It was undescribable. I, it went from the stadium was almost empty, maybe 15 to 20 minutes before uh they started the game and then there was, I think there was 90 some thousand people that just filled into the stadium. I can't even describe it. It's not like your average basketball or football game. It's, you got to be there. Yeah. So that was my next question. Obviously, I don't know if you've ever been to like an NFL game or anything like that, but I mean, comparatively it's no comparison is what you're saying. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Aaron, be careful. Matt's going to start texting you for betting tips. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, if you if you know that Barcelona is going to win by a half, I just need you to shoot me a text or an email and let me know because I would be willing to drop 25 to 50 on that. Okay. I'll, uh... 30 a.m. when they start, too. I have no problem being up at 5.30 or 6 for an early morning Premier League tip. <laughs> All right, I'll get right on that. Okay. All right, Matt, what do you got? So I guess where where my interest lies, and, and, and Tony had kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the average leader and all of that stuff, but I, I think a lot where my interest lies is that you have two careers, right? And my wife is a nurse. I'm surrounded by all nurses. Her, her mom, her aunts are all nurses. So I find it interesting. Um, I find it interesting that you have two careers. What, what area do you work at, at, at the hospital as a registered nurse? So um, I actually work at two hospitals. I, I work at Methodist and Nebraska Medicine, which are both in Omaha. Um, at the one hospital, I work on a progressive care unit. So it's step-down critical care. Um, we take a lot of sick patients, but not necessarily like your ICU or intensive care patients. Um, and then at Nebraska Medicine, I actually work in their medical ICU. And we're a level one trauma center, so we see pretty much anything and everything imaginable. Wow. Wow. Um, do you, does, does work, um, do they support your career? I mean, assuming they probably do, but what's the work-life balance between when the PWBA season's going on and you try and balance that. Yeah, I mean, both jobs are actually 100% supportive. My coworkers will actually uh, get online and watch bowling sometimes, or the few times that I've been on TV, they've actually gone around to the patients' rooms and uh, just flipped on ESPN or CBS Sports, whichever it was on. Uh, but we do self-scheduling at both hospitals, so it's helpful in the fact that if I know that I'm going to be traveling at the end of the week, I'll just uh, basically front load my schedule at the beginning of the week. So I'll work like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I'll travel at the end of the week. If I'm going to be you, gone for, what's And you work, you work 10, 12-hour shifts? Um, I actually work, so I work three twelves a week. Um, I go in at like 6.30 at night, and then I clock out around 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay, all right. So D-Hard, I mean, you work 12-hour days. You're a 12-hour shifter guy, right, from what I hear? Yeah, you're funny, Matt. Thanks. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, who knows? So, Aaron, I got a couple of questions for you. Uh, I'm a little bit more unorthodox in my questioning, so I have to know: Do you have any pre-tournament rituals? Um, I actually don't. I will say though, if uh, I always room with Josie when I go to these tournaments, so I bring her up a lot. But if we uh, go to breakfast somewhere and we have a bad block or not so great block. Uh, there's no way we're going back to that same place for breakfast the next day or probably for the remainder of the season. So I guess right. <laughs> a couple of spooks every now and again, but not necessarily rituals. Yeah, I was going to add the next question I was going to ask was, do you have a certain food or drink that you like to consume before you start bowling? Um, I do like to have some eggs, bacon, probably some toast. Oh, God, that sounds awesome. Doesn't it? Until you, <laughs> if I have a bad block, though, I'm not having it the next day. It's not happening. Well, Derek, what would happen if you were bowling a tournament and you used that uh, mindset and, and we ate at Taco Bell? Could you handle not going to Taco Bell ever again? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to shrug that one off for like two weeks and then have to go back. Yeah. I mean, I love Taco Bell. What's there not to love? Uh, it's it's oh. cheap and delicious. That's it right. is. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So, Aaron, is there, 
Is there someone uh, in particular that you talk to before a tournament, you know, like game planning or you know, how to attack the lanes? Um, I mean, we do a pretty good job the, the night before during the practice session, the EBI ball reps. Um, we've got three of them this year. So Brian O'Keefe, Sean Ryan, uh, Mike Snowbaker. We kind of game plan the night before just so that when you come in in the morning, you're not scrambling to figure out, well, where am I going to play? What balls am I going to use? Surfaces, that type of stuff. So I think we've done a pretty good job this season as far as meeting as a group just to get our heads together. Um, but as far as anyone else specific, not not really. Just the three of them more than likely. All right. Uh, and that's one, that's one thing I've noticed is how all of the ball companies kind of work together as a team. What, I mean, can you explain a little bit more about that throughout the week? How does that work? Not just before the tournament starts, but you guys bounce ideas off of each other, watch each other. It's almost, it's, it really is almost like a college team, would you say? Um, yeah, I mean, it's similar in many aspects. It's especially nice now that there's three uh, tour reps because the first year there was only one and it's, it's not a one-person job. It's difficult, especially with the emotions running high and if you get into trouble, then you've got different personalities to deal with. But with three of them spread out across the house, they can see kind of transitions if, you know, one end is playing completely different than the other or, you know, certain people are using certain bowling balls and, I can't necessarily see that from 20 plus lanes away. It's nice to have the additional set of eyes. And then I think I can speak for the Ebonite girls as a whole, just because I, I represent the company or represent their company. Um, our girls are pretty good about communicating with each other. You know, if you are coming to a pair that's completely different from maybe the other pairs in the house, we're good about communicating that to each other. Um, so I know that we're competing against each other, but we can still drop each other hints every now and again during qualifying. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, so so the real question is, what are the top three songs on the Aaron McCarthy pre-tournament playlist that gets you all jacked up? Oh, boy. <clears throat> what if I don't have a pre-tournament playlist, necessarily? Uh, We're going to have to ask you to construct one. Yeah, you're going to need to get that started, if you could, please. All right, I'll get that started. I need to come back to that question, though. All right, all right. <clears throat> all right, so let's dive away a little bit from bowling. I happen to follow you on social media, uh, several different platforms, and I can't help but notice and laugh at the RBF poses and picks. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about that. How did that start? So uh, <clears throat> I believe it actually started uh, from Sandy Charles down in Texas. She, I think she started the RBF poses. Yeah, she, maybe Jeannie she, was even involved with that. Oh, yeah, those two are both in the Hall of Fame for RBF. Yeah. Absolutely. So they always used to make fun of me because my RBF would always have a smirk at the end, apparently. I could do RBF while I'm actually bowling, but, you know, during the photos, I pretty much sucked at it. So I had to get it down to a science. So now that I feel like I'm in their club, I just work really hard to protect my RBF faces during certain situations. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've come a long way. I've worked really hard to perfect my RBF. That's a That's a tagline right there. So for, for any of the folks that are listening who are acronomically challenged, can, can someone let us know what RBF means? Yeah, RBF stands for resting bitch face. Excellent. It means you have a difficult time smiling most of the time. Yeah, it's not a smile and it's not a frown. So Aaron, It's a smound. It's a smound. Yeah. Aaron, with that being said, if you leave Jeannie and Sandy out of this, who would you construct, including yourself, for a five-person team, all RBF? Ooh, tough one. All right. So including myself, you said, right? Yep. So you got only, you only have four left. Yeah, okay. you're the anchor. 
All right. I think I can go with uh, myself, Jordan Richard, Steph Johnson, uh, Shannon Pahowski, and I could probably get Shannon O'Keefe in there too. Oh, that's excellent. So I, the Queens is coming to Wichita next week. I am going to request a selfie with that team. Okay, I can do that. It's happening. Derek, have you been working on your RBF? I mean, with the, are you going to actually not show your pearly white teeth? I mean, like, I can't even picture you in, as an RBF. <laughs> Matt, I got, a funny, I got a funny story for you. So when I was in college, there was a college bowling forum <laughs> to talk about guys who didn't smile and were just complete jerks. And my name was actually brought up because I never smiled. Was this the collegebowling.com opinion area? Uh, that would be it, yes. Yeah, you know, so let's get, let's really kick it back. 97, 98, when that thing first started. So, I mean, yes, I know what you're talking about. Tony, I think his chest is puffed out a little bit. I mean, it's a lot bit, it sounds like. Hey, dude, I mean, you got to keep up on the opinions on the message boards. <laughs> just, I just love that, like, 97, 98 was the premier college bowling time, and 2003, 2004 was, like, the premier PBA time. And ironically, those were the years that Matt was bowling. Uh, you know, erroneous. I never said anything about 97 or 98, just because whenever we had to dial up on the computer, it was like, I mean, it was a little bit different back then, dude. <laughs> We're done with you, Matt. Aaron, I, I still have uh, I still have some answers that I need for that tournament playlist. All right. I think, uh, okay, we'll go with three of them here. We'll go with Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh. I, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, so you, you just earned some friends here. Did I? Yes, you we'll did. I'll tell you a little story about a rap battle, but please continue. Okay. Uh, say Bonfire by Travelish Gambino. I pretty much like anything by him. And then lastly, I have to go with uh, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey because it is my strike song. So oh, nice. Right. I forgot about that when we were watching your show. I was like, is that Mariah Carey's Christmas song? <laughs> it is. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. That, can you please tell us why that's your strike song? Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> two, two reasons, actually. Some of my coworkers uh, back home, they like to request that song when we're out at the bars or at weddings <laughs> in the middle of the summer, no matter what the season is. And the other reason is Sean Ryan also likes to request that song or play it on the jukebox, whether we're at the restaurant or bars or wherever we are. So when I made the show uh, at the U.S. Open in Florida, I couldn't not have it as my strike song, knowing that he would be there. I am totally playing that song in AJ's and pulling Sean Ryan in to listen to that. Yeah. So I'd like to take it one step further. I think we just got our leadoff song for Swiss Trio's practice. That for sure will be going on in, in Wichita for 2019. I think it's perfect. Excellent. Yeah, that's a that's a definite curveball on the playlist. I mean, I'm at least happy to see Lose Yourself in there. That's good. So let's uh, let's Tony, Derek. What if I mean I don't know if we would ever make a TV show, right? But what would you what would be your guys' strike songs? Uh, I'll I'll chime in first. It, it's our intro, "Return of the Mac." Uh, all right, you, you stole you stole my thunder. Obviously, our passions run deep. You know, mine might be suspicions. I might just slow it down a little bit and drop some Eddie Rabbit. See if the crowd likes it. Everybody will be asleep. 
Tone Loke? I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. But I'm Matt, not touching my feet like that. Matt, yours probably wouldn't play though because you don't strike much. Oh. That's as rough. always, as always, Derek dropping dropping the bombs. <laughs> Aaron, do you know who Eddie Rabbit is? Have you ever heard the song Suspicions? I, I don't think so. Do you like uh, country music at all? I do. All right. Well, I guess not 80s country music, though. Uh, it's a little bit out of my, my comfort zone. I could okay. give it a go, though. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, comfort zone's fine. Actually, 80s country music is outstanding. Is it? So, yes, so, it is. so since I picked you, since I picked you for player of the year, and I think I can't I'd have to go back and look at my notes, Tony. I did pick her for a major championship this year as well. I, I can't remember right. if it was the if it was the Queens or the US Open. I would love if if you took a listen to Eddie Rabbit's suspicions. I'm not saying you have to do this, but okay. if you were to make a show for the majors, maybe think about maybe dropping that as your strike song for one game. I could I could probably do that if yeah, okay, all right. I'm I am thoroughly excited now. There's no way that she's gonna lose all I want for Christmas. Now that I know that's her strike song, I'm so have... pumped up. I'm I'm praying that you the next time you make a show, it's on the massive shim wall and you're just pumping out two seventies left and right. <laughs> <laughs> and that thing's that thing's loaded up on repeat, and that's all we hear is I don't want a lot for Christmas. Oh. They need to stop the song. They just need to turn the volume down because it's just going to be raining strikes. Oh, yeah. Just pumping them out left and right. I hope well, so. Well, uh, I think it was the U.S. Open, Matt. Is that what you have her have her down for? Um, I think that's right. I think it was the U.S. Open. Yeah, I don't think it was the Queen. So. Nope. Is there a tournament that you'd like to win more than all the rest, Aaron? Uh, honestly, I think the U.S. Open especially after my last couple of years being able to make the show but not not obviously coming over the hump for the win i think the us open would be i don't know all the marbles i should say when you make a show what's the hardest thing about that uh that time um i would say just outside distractions you you it's the fastest 10 frames of your life so you just have to try and make your 10 best shots of your life, yet by the time you blink, it's over. So I think just maintaining your nerves at that point. So it was the Queens that I picked Aaron for. Okay. At the US Open. I just, I just went back and checked my out-of-range podcast notes. It was the Queens. All right. Well, there you go, Aaron. It's basically since Matt said it, I think it's a, a, mortal, it. a mortal lock. Aaron, if I were you, I would suggest that Matt does not show up to the bowling alley that week, and you just send him a bunch of soccer plays so he stays away. There is no chance that I'm not going to have my my Aaron McCarthy cheering shoes on for the week of the Queens. No doubt, that will be that will be the person that I will be cheering for the most. Looking forward to it. Well, I mean, we we did make a financial wager on that, so I mean, he's a. Uh... I'm pot committed, if you will. Yeah, twenty dollars, twenty dollars American. <laughs> so, uh, you said that you room with uh, Josie most weeks, or pretty much every week? Uh, every week. Sometimes there's an additional person or two, but yeah, right. Josie every week. All right. And what makes Josie such a phenomenal roommate? 
I think uh, I think most people would actually find us annoying together. We <laughs> laugh at anything. That sounds super familiar. <laughs> I actually blame Rob Gacho. It's it's his fault that we became such good friends in the first place. He stuck us in a car together when we hadn't really spoken at all back in 2013 in Baltimore at a opposites of track tournament. Go to Buffalo Wild Wings and get a table for a large group, and we got lost on the way there, and the rest was pretty much history. So it's it's his fault why we're so annoying together. All right. Well, uh, if that's what makes you guys so great or what makes her so great, what's the worst thing about her as a roommate? Um, She might kill me for saying this, but as soon as she gets into a room, it's like her luggage explodes. I don't, I don't, even, know, <laughs> I don't even know what happens, but... Uh, I'm very OCD about my clothes and my bags, and we will just say that she's she is not. <laughs> I'm texting Josie right now. She's not happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Aaron, that's all right. Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's great. Diehard night here. <laughs> Diehard night at the ballpark. Yeah, I uh, I like that expression. Your luggage explodes. Yeah, I mean, I have some pictures, but I I think I would have to sleep with one eye open if I shared those photos. Well, it's a shame we uh, we should have planned this better, and that way we could have asked her the same question about you. But I guess we'll just have to do that at another time so we can find out uh, some of your quirks. But at least that'll save you for a while. Now, you, now we've got one on her. I, I appreciate that. All right. Well, uh Aaron, thank you so much for the time. Uh, good luck this week. I think you'll have a ton of fun bowling in front of, like I said, family and friends. And uh, the boys will be in Wichita because they live in Wichita, so they'll be there next week. Uh, Derek, sounds like you've got a great uh, RBF picture set up. I love it. That's going to definitely make the uh, out-of-range Twitter Twitter page, correct? Oh, for sure, for sure. Matt, would you would he let you in on that picture, or is that just D-Hart only? You know what? I'll have to. Uh, I'd like to be involved. I do want Aaron to sign my kid's bowling pin. I will have that out there and available. So he's got a men's professional bowling pin. We're gonna have to get a women's professional bowling pin. So I'll, if D Hart wants me in, I'm gonna have. He's gonna have to ask me. So Matt, Matt, I would love to have you in the picture, but we all know that you have a kid. So there's a lot of excuses why you probably won't be there. No <laughs> excuses. I will be there with flying colors, sir. <laughs> All and right. I'll pack more than five diapers. <laughs> well, Aaron, again, uh, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again after you win uh, the Queens, and we'll have you back. And you can tell us all about how great it was to have Matt on your side cheering and screaming the entire way. Well, there's no doubt that when she wins, I'm going to go up and I want to I want a picture with the trophy. That's going to happen because that would be the greatest futures play in McFadden history. <laughs> I think you know a guy that can probably make that happen. I think we do. A Vegas Dave? You think Vegas Dave could get me a bet in on Aaron McCarthy before the Queens? Yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested. Oh, boy. It's good stuff, Aaron. These guys are, uh, if you need somebody in your camp in a corner, these are the guys for you. Sounds like it. All right. Well, thanks well, we again. Got a hot we got a hot minute coming up. Oh my goodness. I almost forgot the hot minute. How could I? Uh, so, uh, Aaron, the last piece is the hot minute. Uh, okay. Derek is going to ask four rapid fire questions 
and uh, just looking for kind of the first thing that comes to your mind on those. We may have follow-up, we may not, but I will go ahead and turn it over to D. Hart for the hot minute. All right. All right. Are you ready, Aaron? I think so. I just want to let you know that I did uh, change these around a little bit just for this interview, so don't be nervous. Okay. Uh, with that being said, first question, what is the one thing that makes you nervous? Uh, other people being nervous, actually. Really? Yeah. Could you give us an example? Uh, just in like maybe large group situations where you have to talk in front so of like, others. Like awkward situations? A little bit. Or if, or if someone's nervous to do a group presentation and you're in that group, then someone's like, you get nervous too, even if you weren't. Uh, would you consider would you consider yourself a good public speaker? I think it depends on the situation. Okay. I can be okay, and other times not so much. Okay. Aaron, question number two: If you could own drive any vehicle in the world, what would it be? Uh, I think that would be a G wagon, and I think Kyle would appreciate me for saying that too. <laughs> A G wagon. Oh, a G wagon, Mercedes G wagon. All right, all right. Yeah. Isn't uh, isn't, <laughs> Post, <laughs> isn't Post Malone rapping about? Post Malone's rapping about those right now, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only thing that was going through my mind is some sort of like Monte Carlo on some sort of like actuators that are dropping down to the ground or something like that. That's where my mind was going when you said G wagon. You mean 20 inch blades on the Impala? That would be correct, D Hart. All right. Question number three. Let's not let Matt talk anymore. What is the one food that makes you sick thinking about? Uh, sardines. Oh, God. Yeah. You guys like sardines? Only if it's on a tableside Caesar salad. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Oh. Uh, I'm out on I'm out on the sardines. Yeah, we, I think most of us agree with you, Aaron. That's a great that's a great choice. <laughs> all right, the last question, the hardest one of them all, and I'm going to emphasize that Queens is next week. Mm-hmm. But if we were all at the bar, what song would you karaoke in front of us? Karaoke in front of you? Uh huh. Oh, I don't do karaoke though. Uh, well, you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to do one. But if you did. Well, I'd probably just do Mariah Carey. Ah. Like What's second in that list? Uh, I don't know that I have a second. Her passion runs strong for Mariah. She's on fire. All right. Well, I'm going to request that, and maybe we get a duet with you and Sean Ryan. If I, if I could have a duet partner, I'd do a Celine Dion song with uh, Josie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, Celine Dion. Yeah. Sounds like you that she jams out to that. Do you guys have the pipes for something like Celine? Uh, according to my videos, Josie's close. Okay. okay. Oh. Right. Do you guys stand at the end of a bow on a ship and put your hands out like in Titanic? Uh, does a bathtub count? I mean, that. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs> oh my god. Well, Matt, we definitely have some organizing to do for AJS because I definitely want to see this. Uh. My heart goes, or my my heart goes on, or whatever that song is. I'm in. I would love to see the Josie, Aaron McCarthy rendition. I'll let her know at dinner. Man, I am so jealous that I am not going to be there this week. <laughs> you should. Video or it didn't happen. 
<laughs> Let's be honest, Tony. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be the same if you didn't get up there and uh, get some Will Smith getting jiggy with it. Gosh, I would love to get up there and rip that. No, that's, that's not the right song, Matt. It's getting genie with it. Oh, that's true. Excuse me. I stand corrected. No, 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 no. All right. What's, well, what's for dinner tonight, Aaron? Uh, it appears old Chicago. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's good. The the uh, double decaroni is good stuff. It is. All right. Well, enjoy your uh, pizza this evening, Aaron. Again, thanks so much for the time. Good luck this week. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. And we will talk to you later. All right. Bye. See you, Aaron. Bye. Thanks for the uh, Aaron McCarthy interview. Aaron's awesome, man. I've always loved talking to her. She's great. She's a really enlightened cat, and I dig talking with her. I'm not quite sure I understand the music choices, though, when she says her strike song is All I Want for Christmas. d where do you stand on that? Uh, yeah, I was a little caught off guard. I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That's that's how off guard I am. I was yeah. not caught off guard, guys. I mean, I remember watching that show. And hearing her strike song, and I was like, is that Mariah Carey Christmas song? Unbelievable. I do remember that. Yeah, pretty cool. And I don't know you guys if you know the answer to this or not, but uh, the Dallas Stars lost in seven games to the St. Louis Blues this week, which was sad. But their win song, so the game was in St. Louis, and they played Laura Branigan's Gloria. Do you have any idea why they play that at the end of games for the, the St. Louis Blues? No idea. I have no idea, but I absolutely love that song. It's it's odd, but it's just they're just banging out Gloria, Gloria. Gloria. That's good stuff. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got a guest uh, in studio here that knows the answer to that. Miss, could you tell us? So I heard that two of the blues guys players were in Philadelphia during football season and they were in some random bar uh watching maybe philadelphia against the giants whatever team won i doesn't matter after the team won the bar immediately goes into gloria no relation to either one of those teams but the bar just goes nuts everybody starts dancing having a good time the two blues guys look at each other and go we got to do this so they took that back to their arena, to their music tech, and said, we need to play Gloria after every win. So about six months ago, they started playing Gloria after every win. So it's automatic Gloria as soon as they win. There you have it. I Dynamite. love Jeannie, the sideline reporter, coming in with the scoop. Dynamite drop in, Jeannie. Uh, and Derek, if you're not downloading Gloria right now for us to wrap this podcast <laughs> up, you're out. You're not doing your job. Yeah, may, yeah. Maybe we. Uh, we I mean, we normally uh, finish with on to the next episode, but maybe for one night only, we'll play Gloria. Thanks, G. Those in studio guest uh, producers are awesome. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to put a bow on episode three. Next week in episode four is something you're not going to miss. Well, one of you're not going to miss. You're not going to want to miss it. We've got a brand new guest joining the show. His name is Andy Jensen, and he is tons of fun in more ways than one. And that's going to do it for the Out of Range podcast. Matt. 
Derek, thanks so much. We will talk to you guys next week.